Flash is January 2, so we're starting the series today, in case you didn't catch that, leading up to this. But uh, again, just want to say Happy New Year. Welcome to 2022. It may feel exactly the same as because it really is, uh, but it's a different number and is a new chance. It's the start of a new year, and uh, this is, for me, one of the most exciting times in a year. It's that kind of that the time between Christmas and New Year's is a time to reflect and evaluate and, and to look ahead, and now we're in it. So whether or not you've already broke your New Year's resolutions it's, it's a new day, okay? We're just going to all start collectively. Today is the beginning of the year. Um, how many of you, just by show of hands, made a New Year's resolution? You had some goals or habits that you're trying to break or start? All right, sounds good. So none of us, all right, perfect. So just me. Uh, one of the habits I, I'm trying to break, and, and since you got all of your life figured out clearly, I have a lot of work to do to become the person I want to be. And one of those is there is this thing that happens every year. It's an addiction for me that actually springs up around the same time of the year. Maybe you have this too, even though you probably won't admit it based on what you just did. But, but in November, right around Thanksgiving, I start eating a lot more sugar, right? It just happens. Like the parties start to begin. Thanksgiving, my mom makes incredible desserts. And then we go through this period in December where it's Christmas party, staff meeting, whatever it is. And there's just sugar just finds its way into my stomach. I don't know how. I don't even use my hands. I can only really use one hand right now. But it still happened. It just, it happened. The sugar entered my body. And then we get to Christmas week. And Christmas week is next level, okay? Because not only do we have special desserts around meal times, maybe you have those, but we also have just constant baked goods and candy and treats on the table all day long. It's just there. Like I go to my in-laws house, for example, and uh, this is part of one of my addictions right here, peanut M&Ms. Like I never buy them, but around Christmas, they find their way into my esophageal tract and I end up consuming them. I just don't know how it happens, but, but they have this bowl. So anytime I walk through their kitchen, literally there's this bowl sitting there full of Christmas peanut M&Ms. And I don't know if it's because it's Christmas. I don't know if it's because they're a different color. My hand cannot stay away. It just finds its way into the bowl. And so uh, we get there. Literally, we arrive like the Christmas day, kind of in the afternoon. We get there, and I see it. And I've said, not today, Satan. Not today. You're not going to get me. It's Christmas. I'm not going to do this. And then the day kind of progressed. A couple hours go by. I see other people putting their hands in the M&M bowl. And I'm like, okay, okay, Satan, I'll do it for a little bit, right? It can't be too bad. So I reach in there, take them, and the, it's just euphoric. It's like the best feeling ever. The sugar rushes through my veins. And, and then for the next five days, I find myself, oh, I've got to go to the bathroom. Well, I probably should walk past that bowl. And I grab it out of the bowl. Or, oh, I'm going to help with dinner. I probably should walk by the M&M bowl. And I grab it out of there. Or... I, I don't have any reason, but I probably should just walk by the bowl. And it happens. Like that for me, literally on the way to New York, my, Lindsay and I had this conversation. It's like, hey, this year, let's just not go hard on the sweets. All right. Like, like let's watch each other. Let's be accountable to each other. That M&M bowl is going to be there. And then it happened. So I've already failed. But, but it was not 2022 yet. So I have a fresh start. So I'm throwing those away. I'm never going to touch them again. Um, but it's interesting, interesting because all of us, probably have habits or things in our life that we wish were different, that we wish we could do better, or maybe exercise goals you have, or, or health-related goals you have, or maybe you had a hard conversation with the doctor this year, and there's some things you know you have to course correct. But it's funny because I, before the M&M bowl dilemma that I, I face every single Christmas, I tend to, at least internally, think that I'm a pretty healthy person. Like I try to watch what I eat, I try to exercise, I try to sleep well, I don't smoke, I don't drink. 
I'm like a generally healthy person in my head. But until my hand gets in that bowl, that's, that becomes not true. Like I just consume like way more sugar, uh, probably more than all of you did this Christmas, because maybe I'm not as healthy as a person as I like to think I am. Maybe that's more internal because here's what happens. Here's human nature. We think that we are farther along in something than we actually are. We think that we are healthier than we are, that we weigh less than we do, that we're nicer than we are, that we're more productive than we, than we actually are. It's just human nature. We like to believe better about ourselves than is actually true because here's what's in fact true of all of us. I don't even have to know you super well to know this is true of you, that every single one of us is the sum of our habits and our rhythms in life. You are not a healthy person just because you say you're a healthy person. You're a healthy person because you eat well, you sleep well, you exercise well. You are not just a good spouse because you say, well, I'm, I'm a good partner. I'm a good spouse. I haven't done anything wrong. But you are the sum, literally, of your habits, of your rhythms in your marriage. The same is true of, of food and diet. If you've got some, some food-related goals this year like I do, uh, you are making sure that you don't just say, right, that I, I eat well, I eat good, I, I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, I don't eat Burger King all the time. But if you looked at your actual spending habit, if I took a look at your credit card statement, where would the most restaurants be, right? You'd, you'd have to look at your actual habits and rhythms to figure out, are you someone who eats well or not? Parents in the room, let me talk to you for a second. Or grandparents in the room, let me talk to you for a second. If you look at your parenting journey, you can't just say at the beginning of the year, I'm a really good parent. I'm a great parent. Because what would have to be true is you would look back at 2021 or look ahead to this year and say, okay, if you are a good parent, what are the habits and the rhythms you have with your kids? How are you investing in them spiritually? How are you investing in them with their relationship with you or your spouse? How are you making sure that you are parenting well? You don't just say, I'm a good parent. You have to look at what are the habits and the rhythms that make up my relationship with my kids? This week, school kicks off. Some of you parents in the room are more excited about it than you are about Christmas, right? So school's back in session this coming week. If you're in school or you're in that season of life or you're a student right now, it's not about, am I a good student? And if you just say you're a good student, it doesn't make you a good student, right? It's You'd have to look, how did I do with homework? How did I do with my assignments? How did I test? How did I interact in the classroom? It really is the habits and rhythms you have as a student. Here's what's true, and you already know where I'm going with this. The same is true in our walk with Jesus. If you say, I'm a really strong Christian, or at least you internally believe that, or I, or I have a good relationship with God, you would have to examine and look at what are your habits and your rhythms with God. Not do you just show up to church, though that's a huge part of it, probably an undervalued part of it, but it would be, what is Monday like? What, how are you in prayer? How are you in worship? And it's not like a checklist of obligations, but, but it's looking at what are the habits and rhythms in that relationship. And honestly, I was praying for you this weekend. I was praying for our time together, praying over the sermon. And honestly, there's this deep hunger I have for you. Really, I would love if this year, that you would follow Jesus better than you ever have. Notice I said, you wouldn't just be a better Christian, that you would follow. It's an active word that you would actually follow Jesus in the habits and rhythms of your life. You may remember, we, we kind of stepped into the season of 15 years as a church and celebrated that back in October. And one of the things that our leaders and our staff discerned is like a call for us into the future was that if our, our, our church is really going to take up the future God has for us, there'd be two things that would be true. One, that we would radically seek after Jesus. 
not just as a church, but in our own personal journey. And the second was that we'd radically invite other people into it. Let me just say like this Christmas, you did that. Some of you invited more people than you actually knew. And then a lot of them came. It was incredible. Two services full of people getting to hear the Christmas story and hear the good news of great joy. But, but if you're going to do that, if you want to really radically seek after Jesus in your life, that requires all of us to examine what are the habits and practices and rhythms. That's where it happens. And honestly, really, as I'm thinking about this, the only thing that can derail you from having your best year spiritually is the practice we're about to talk about. You may already have ideas. You're like, I already know what it is. And I guarantee you may not know what it is. <laughs> like, like there's something in scripture in the very beginning of the scripture story that a lot of us neglect and miss and don't practice and our spiritual lives slowly decay because of it. I want to take you to the very beginning of the story. I want to take you to creation. And in this month of creation that we're talking about in this series, the very first installment, the first movement of scripture is creation. It's the belief that God created us. Now you can debate all day long about timelines and old earth, young earth. We're not going to get into that, but, but what is important to remember is that God created us. And it, it's the question, how did we get here? Like, are we just like a, a random collection of atoms that magically appeared or was there a design behind us? And obviously as Christian people, we believe God created us. We believe that he has an original design for us. I want to take you to the very beginning of this design, very beginning of this narrative. In Genesis 2, if you have a Bible or device, uh, today is a great day to turn and, and to be a part of it, because here's what happens. This is Genesis 2, verse 1. He fin God finishes the creation journey, and then the heavens and earth were completed in all of their vast array. Listen to verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he, say it with me, rested. On the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed. He set it apart, blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all of the work of creating that he had done. I find it really, really interesting that God rested. Do you find that interesting? Because if God is omnipotent, like he can do anything he wants and he knows he's not time bound. He is outside of our realm, even sometimes of, of understanding. He's a mystery. He's, he's powerful. He's sovereign over the earth. Why did God rest? Why, why was this important? And it really answers the question as you look through the rest of the scripture story, you find people practicing what we now deem and scripture refers to as a Sabbath, this set apart day, this set apart period of time to reconnect with God. And God practices this. God models this. And then Adam and Eve have this kind of rhythm of rest that takes place. It says that uh, they were leisurely walking with God in the cool of the day. They're walking through the garden. We find them in this rested relationship, not only to their creator, which happened, but also to creation itself. It was a rhythm that God baked into our DNA, if you will. He, he put it as a part of our lives and then throughout the rest of the scripture story commands, if you want to follow the Lord, if you want to follow me, you practice Sabbath. You set apart some holy time in your week or in your day to connect with God, with our creator. It's how you were designed. Did you know you were not designed to work seven days a week? And there's a reason you may feel stressed, burnt out, fatigued, and exhausted starting a new year. 
And it may be because we have failed as a community or as followers of Jesus to practice this incredibly profound discipline. Really, uh, Sabbath, as well as scripture reading or prayer, anything else you practice is a spiritual rhythm, which is a fancy word for something you do often, something you you have as a part of the fabric of your life. Now you may say, I don't have rhythm. I, if you played music for me, I wouldn't know how to figure out. And that's okay. I'm not talking about musical rhythm. Thank you to our worship team that has that. It would be a painful Sunday if you had a bunch of people who did not have rhythm. Can I get an amen from any musician in the room? Okay, that would be painful. But rhythm in terms of the, the kind of pattern of your life, the way of doing things in your life, this is one of the most important truths that I wish, I'm dead serious, I wish I had understood this many years ago. And the simple truth that you, you see all throughout the story of Genesis is that our rhythms with God define our walk with God. Like you're not a good Christian just because you say you are a Christian. You're not even a good Christian by association, right? Well, I was in church around good Christians, so I'm a good Christian. Or my spouse is a really strong follower of Jesus. Or my grandparents raised me Catholic, and now here I am. Like I made it. That does not make us good followers of Jesus. What makes us a follower of Jesus, sorry to say it, but it's true, is our rhythms with God. It's, it's our habits. It's our, the holy way we do our life. They define our walk with God. Uh, one of the areas that for me this has really shaped me is in Lindsay and I's marriage. Because in, early on in our marriage, it was just us and everything was a way to invest in marriage, right? It was like, we're going on our first grocery store trip together. And it was like this awesome thing. And then it was, we're going to social security office together. And it was like that. And then it was, uh, we're going to our first Christmas as a married couple. And there was that. And then it was Easter. It was all these milestones over and over and over again. Well, we just celebrated eight years of marriage, which I'm, I'm praising God for. I'm so thankful for but we've had to be much more intentional, just like you have if you're married, with rhythms in our marriage to make sure we're growing and staying healthy. Because you, you don't drift into a great marriage. You, you are intentional. You strategize. You, you make it happen. And one of the things that for us has just been a rhythm every single Christmas is our, our, uh, our relationship, our, our marriage, is we celebrate it on December 28th. It's our anniversary. And so every December 28th, we're typically in tropical Binghamton, New York. So it's as tropical as it sounds, right? It's snowing. It's cold all the time. It's just not a beautiful place to live. But anyway, my in-laws live there and we go there pretty much every Christmas. So we're there. And the first Christmas we were there, we just said, man, it'd be good if we just like went out to dinner or something. We got to we gotta honor the anniversary somehow, right? We can't just sit around the in-laws house and, and eat peanut M&Ms. We need to go do something. And so we looked up on Yelp. We're searching for the best restaurant. We find this little cafe called The Lost Dog, The Lost Dog Cafe. And it's downtown Bampton. And so we go there. It was an incredible thing. And so every year, because I'm addicted to food, we go there. We make it a habit. And they have the best spinach artichoke dip I've ever had in my life. And so we go there, we get the spinach artichoke dip. And once we finish inhaling that, we have a conversation about our marriage. It's a rhythm we've set up. We talk about how are we doing? Uh, what areas do we need to work on? What areas do we need to let God work on? Now that we have a kid, we're talking about how do we want to be as parents? We have, a, we have a chance to set the trajectory for that. We, we talk about how we're doing spiritually. We talk about our church and, and how that's going. We talk about Lindsay's job and, and my role here. We talk about all of it. It's all on the table. It's a rhythm we have. And honestly, I look forward to that day more because there's a rhythm there. 
that, that actually, I think, creates a better walk with Lindsay, a better relationship with her. Friends, this is why God designed you for Sabbath. That, that Sabbath, Jesus says, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's like you were created to, to engage this rhythm because ultimately it returns us to our original design. And if you're like, man, I'm not Jewish. What are you talking about? What is Sabbath? What? Like, I don't, I don't have 24 hours to just chill and watch Netflix and let me free you. That's not what Sabbath is. But Sabbath, kind of biblically defined, really early on in the scripture story, is a set-apart time. God blesses the Sabbath day, is what we just read in Genesis 2. It's a set-apart time designed to rest, not accomplish, and be with God and other people. Let me say that one more time. To rest, to not accomplish, and to be with God and other people. Now, when I say not accomplish, you may be like, well, I like to garden. Garden. Oh, I, li- I like to play music. Is that accomplishing? Maybe you like to write music. Is that accomplishing? No, like th- those things, it's things that exert energy, that take work, that you would consider in your mind as work or, or toil. It's freeing yourself from doing that. And I think about even just people in our own church. Like to, to me, Sabbath could really unlock some things for all of us spiritually because to the exhausted mom of five who cannot wait for school to start again, God gives her Sabbath, a rest, uh, to the family who right now is in the wake of canceled family parties and COVID-19 tests and all the rest. God offers that family Sabbath. Like to the stressed out boss who's trying to figure out how do I hire some people this year? How do I make money this year? How do I figure out my business with half of the employees I had? God, God gives that man Sabbath. Like to the student who's trying to figure out the 23-year-old student who's trying to figure out what is my life going to look like? What's my career going to be? What's my vocation? What job should I take? You know what God gives that person? Not, not all the answers, not all the solutions. He gives them practices like Sabbath to rest and let God be God. See, Sabbath for, for many of us is, is maybe this idea. Maybe you grew up with the idea that Sabbath is kind of a finish line. Like, I just got to get there. I got to like TGIF, thank God it's Friday. I just have to make it to Friday and then I can rest. And the weekend I can kind of decompress, but that's not all Sabbath is in the scripture story. That's not what you were created for. See, Sabbath is actually more of a start line in our relationship with God. It's in the Jewish understanding, even today, you may know some Jewish people, Friday night to Saturday night is a set apart day. It's kind of a wedge in the middle of a week to reconnect with our creator. Like, does the week really start on Monday if you follow Jesus? Like, like to me, I look at that and it's a, it's a model or an example. I mean, you, you've probably read verses in the New Testament maybe, if, if you're familiar with scripture or maybe you're new to it. But in, in the New Testament, often Jesus has finished work on the cross. Like what he did on Calvary is described as something you and I can rest in you and I can relax in. Like that's one of my favorite definitions of trusting in God is relaxing in Jesus. You can really rest in that. And it's because from the very beginning of time, you and I were created for a Sabbath rhythm. If you go through the next two books of the Bible, we talked about Genesis. You look at Exodus 20, just as, as an example, Exodus 28 through 11, God gives his people on the heels of coming out of intense bondage and slavery in Egypt. What does he give them? 10 commandments, 10 practices for them to flourish in their life and flourish in how they follow him. You know what the one that they struggled to to keep and that all of us struggle to keep? 
You're pretty good at not murdering people, last I checked. <laughs> You're pretty good at maybe not having idols set up in your living room. But all of us find a tendency to work all week, to press on all week, and to neglect this Sabbath command. Leviticus 23, God's setting up this incredible sacrificial system for, for the Israelite people to worship him and to stay set apart as a nation. What is the thing that Leviticus 23.3, the writer says, keep the Sabbath, it's a holy day, and do not work. It's like this direct command to set apart time in order to reconnect with our heavenly father. Uh, modern kind of Jewish rabbi philosopher died back in the seventies. Abraham Heschel says this about Sabbath. He wrote six days a week. We wrestle with the world wringing profit from the earth, but on the Sabbath, we especially care for the seed of eternity planted in the soul. See, the world has our hands, but our soul belongs to someone else. See, God is not against work. God created work. God is not against you being productive. I think God is probably, Jesus is probably the most productive person you ever met. Look at, look at the gospel stories. Like he got stuff done, but Jesus never missed a chance to Sabbath. He never missed a chance to rest and to unplug and disconnect from the world in order to be with his father. And the same is true of all of us. See the Sabbath more than anything, lets God be God. So you don't have to be. It's a chance to step away and say, you know what? You're right. I can't do everything. I have limits. If you don't believe me, break your fourth ring finger the week of Christmas, okay? <laughs> you will find out very quickly. You are a limited person. There are certain things I cannot do right now at home that I normally could do. It's a constant reminder, very annoying, uh, obnoxious reminder that I cannot do everything. I have limits to my body. And the same is true of our soul. The Sabbath is a chance to say, you don't have to be God. You do not have to play the role of God. And so that's why we talk about rhythms. That's why we're starting off this series talking about this, because man, if we really believe that our rhythms with God define our walk with God, we would change things this year. There would be a different path that you and I would walk. Here's the scary part. Let's be really honest. Without things like Sabbath, what happens is we become the leaders of our own spiritual life. We become this, this, the leader of Project Self, and we try to figure out our way, out-discipline our way, work our way, achieve our way, serve, give whatever our way into leading our spiritual journey. But you know, from the beginning of, this, of time, from the very beginning of Genesis, God was pursuing, God was initiating, God was starting, and your spiritual life really, through Sabbath, is, begins to be not in your hands anymore. You, you're able to free it up to a God and the Holy Spirit who wants to lead you. Some of you in this room would describe yourselves as workaholics and Sabbath is gonna be really hard for you because you're going to have to stop and slow down and maybe even start practicing that this week. You set apart some time, like you set apart some, a, a section of a day or maybe you have the luxury to do a full 24-hour period which you kind of minimize distraction and rest and enjoy your family and spend time in the scriptures. And others of you are a little bit more like me. When, you, when you're stressed and when you're in a hard kind of pressure-filled season, your tendency is not to overwork. It's to be lazy and be passive and just chill your way through it. Like that is definitely how I am wired. I love to work hard, but when I'm not working hard, I'm not working at all. It's like super rested. I could watch Netflix all day long, no problem. Uh, YouTube marathons are my thing, favorite thing. Like I could do all of that. 
And so that's one of my tensions. And I, I came up against this this fall. Uh, some of you would never know it, but this fall probably was the most stressful and pressure-filled season I've ever had. And I was juggling multiple things, and I was not doing them all well. I was trying to lead our church in the future. I was taking two courses in my grad program. I was figuring out how to be a dad and how to be a husband at the same time. I had taken on some extra commitments uh, outside of this ministry with other ministries. And there was just a lot I was carrying. And to be honest, one of the first things that I cut from my spiritual journey was Sabbath. And I have to say, I, I, I am repenting of that before you and before God, because my life suffered. My life suffered. I think my marriage suffered. I think our family suffered. Maybe you suffered. Because I, I cut what was one of the most important practices. For me, it was a set-apart time on Friday, and I watched Lennon on Friday, and during the naps, I did not want to do anything. I just wanted to rest. And I would see my Bible. I would see a worship song come up or whatever, and it was really hard for me to set apart that time and not just to veg out. To, to me, that, that's something I had to wrestle with. And so with some good mentors and with Lindsay, we talked about it. And I said, you know what? I think the right move is for me to slow down my grad program. I've got to, I had to drop a class this spring and I'm going to graduate later. And that killed me because I wanted to finish on time. I wanted to get it all done. It was this productive kind of drive within me to be successful and to achieve. And when I click send on that email to my seminary advisor, this like weight just flew off my shoulders. I felt light, felt free. Why? Because there was a moment of recognition for me that I was not created to work my way into a greater spirituality. It was actually a, a reminder for me to rest my way into spirituality, into a great spirituality and, and a walk with God. Ultimately, failure to Sabbath is a failure to recognize that you were created by God. It's, it's saying, God, I know you needed rest. I know people for centuries of following you needed rest. I don't need that. <laughs> like I, I'm exempt from that. But Sabbath is so much more than just sleeping in or relaxing. It is a rhythm to realign you with God. So kind of as we close here, I just want to give you two things. Two things to start the year with to consider practices that maybe you have a conversation around the dinner table or you go on a date with your spouse or you meet up with some roommates or a trusted friend and you walk through these two things. Here are the two things. You already know the first one. I'm going to challenge you this week and to make it a practice for your year to commit to a Sabbath. Commit to a Sabbath. Again, you may not be in a stage of life where that's a 24-hour period. Let me just give you permission. That's okay. You may need to figure it out in a different way. You may need to get more creative like we're having to be in our family. But literally this weekend, Lindsay and I sat down on the couch, put our daughter to bed and said, okay, when are we going to do it? Because if we do not structure, if we don't plan it, if we don't talk about a time and day, it'll never happen. And we will go through this whole year exactly the same. So we had to commit. We had to make a decision to commit to a Sabbath period, to connect back with our creator. The second thing, I would just encourage you to engage scripture. Now, as a church, we're going to do this in a way we've never done before. Like if touching all 66 books of the, of the Bible is going to be an enormous challenge. For the next couple of months, we're going to be deep and heavy in the scriptures. And so that's going to happen. But I want to encourage you beyond this, it's a new year. And like how would scripture on a daily kind of rhythmic engagement change your life, change your family, change your marriage? Uh, 
Maybe it's a 30-day challenge. Maybe you download a Bible app. Maybe you buy a physical Bible and put it somewhere you're going to see it. Whatever it takes to do it. Do you know that someone who engages the Bible four or more times a week is 228% more likely to share their faith with other people? Are you struggling to share your faith with somebody? The answer would be to read and engage the Bible. 407% more likely to memorize scripture. Do you want to know in those tough moments, the truth of God's word? Do you want to know in the hospital room, the promises about who you are in Christ? 407% more likely to memorize scripture. You know, the person who engages scripture four more times a week is 59% less likely to view pornography. Do you want to get free from a trapped and enslaved sexuality? Do you want your marriage to to get back on track? 59% less likely to view pornography. Someone who engages the Bible four more times a week is 30% less likely to struggle with depression and loneliness. Do you feel alone? Do you feel like you don't have answers? Do you feel that crippling anxiety? Do do your palms get sweaty when you think about Monday morning? Let me just tell you that the scripture has a way of, of soaking into us. And some of us, it's both. It's committing to Sabbath so that we can engage scripture better. And some of us are already doing one or both of those things. And the, and the, the call I want to give to you is just keep at it. Keep going. It's vitally important, not just for you, but for your family, for our church, for the people you work with, for the people you go to school with. See, Sabbath for God was not a non-negotiable. And for us as followers of Jesus, it cannot be. So I want to just pray for you knowing that this is, <laughs> this is really hard to do. It's like the most counterintuitive, countercultural practice you may ever engage when it comes to following Jesus. But here's what I know. It is worth it. It's worth it. If you want to be the kind of person that, that follows Jesus differently in 2022. So God, we just come before you. I come before you knowing that this, this area of life is so difficult because a lot of the times I want to be you. I want to be limitless. I I want to have all the energy. I want to have all the answers. And I thank you for this gift of Sabbath, this gift at the very beginning of the creation story that you rested and you encourage your people to rest. So help us to take that up. I I know that there's some people here who this, this area for them is incredibly easy. It's easy to rest. I pray that for them, that rest would become full of time with you. Not time away, not time disconnected, not time on a beach, not just time watching TV and not doing anything, but it would be a time to spiritually invest. And those others of us in this room and watching online right now who work is our identity. What we do and what we can achieve and accomplish is, is who we are. And God, I pray, number one, you'd help us to shed that. And number two, I pray that you give us just a renewed vision for what Sabbath could be for us. Uh, set apart time to not accomplish, to not do, but just to be, to surrender our, our spiritual journey to you and let you lead us. So we thank you for a new year. Thank you for a new chance. Thank you for a chance to build a better foundation. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand as we respond to God's word together?